0: What have we here? Welcome to the Wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thedas podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren.
1: And my name is Jessica.
0: Welcome back to another exciting episode. We ran another poll on our social media to hear what folks wanted to uh, hear about. We came up with uh, somewhat. It was an, again not very close race. Folks no. made very clear what they wanted.
1: Not not super exciting, but what is exciting is that we got ninety six total votes, which is a new record.
0: Yeah, or at least that's the number we have when I stopped taking votes. Oh, okay, so more probably
1: vote. more votes than that after we. Yeah, more votes kept c- votes. more
0: votes kept coming in, which we still appreciate. Thank you very much. But uh, we did have a new record for the number of votes. It means we're getting more folks listening. That's super exciting. So uh, that means the majority of folks voted for uh, a mage specialization. tried. Well, to-,
1: to be fair, all the choices were mage specialization. Correct.
0: The winning mage specialization was the Arcane Warrior, which I am very pleased about because I've been very excited to talk about this one.
1: It's right up your alley, really.
0: It really is. If I was a mage, if I if I, if it's it it would go right into that trope of mine where I try and play a class that's not you know meleeing and. Tanking, and then I'm like, oh, hey, this looks like fun. Arcane Warrior. Yeah. Wait.
1: Meleeing and tanking. Again.
0: Again. That's but with, what you do. But with magic. So that's fun. So we'll be talking about that, of course. Arcane Warrior. We are afraid we have no uh, news for you this week in Thetis. Uh, Dragon Age 4 allegedly is in the works, although we kind of expected that.
1: Mm-hmm. When we know more, you'll know more, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And same goes for the Dragon Age RPG content which we have also not heard anything about just yet, but we, of course, are keeping our ears to the ground for it. So, why don't we go ahead and uh, get right on this, because it's going to take us a little while. We're going to consult that Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex, everybody. We've got a lot of questions this time yeah, around. Remember
1: how last time we were like, there are no questions.
0: <laughs>
1: Literally hours after we recorded that podcast, we had more questions.
0: Oh yeah, we we got at least a dozen questions thrown in. So we're only going to be answering a couple of them on this podcast. So if you sent a question in and we don't answer it this podcast, we're holding it for later. Hope that's okay.
1: Yep, sorry, we've we've just gotten to a point where there are a lot of questions.
0: Mm-hmm. But thank um, you all so much for that. By the way, we appreciate hopefully
1: it. Hopefully, if there if there are questions we don't get to, perhaps you can go on the forums and answer them or answer them personally for people at this point because we don't yes. have too too many questions. Like, right, right. If once if if we ever get to the point where there's like like hundreds of questions, for I mean, episode, which I seriously that I would mean, be amazing. But that
0: would be pretty crazy. But maybe we should be by that point. We should probably be like hiring folks to help us with it.
1: Yeah, that's when we should probably start, you know, making grown-up choices.
0: Yeah, making grown-up choices. Those are scary. So, uh, everyone here's a grown-up choice, but to send us a question, and we're going to oblige that question. Yeah, uh, oblige them. Oblige them. Those questions. Them and their questions.
1: Okay. So, first... Percival!
0: Percival's back. Yay! Welcome back. We missed you last time, but that's okay. You, you sent us a question in literally hours after we finished the first one, because we recorded a little earlier in the week than we usually do
1: we were sad mm-hmm.
0: we had to, we were uh, trying to make uh, get to other folks schedules and not everything quite meshed up but we've got your question and we got uh, actually one of the follow-up questions you had and apparently you've got another question on the way so thank you so much parseval but we'll get to this one because this is actually a pretty cool one my question for the next session actually relates to the excellent work you are doing producing stats for the various magic items from the computer games thank you by the way I wonder if you could take us a bit more through the reasoning and logic behind some of your decisions, perhaps using a few new examples. How do you decide upon suggested levels for the items? What is the most difficult part of designing the stats? Are there any pitfalls you are aware of that you can warn GMs about who are thinking of devising their own items?
1: To be fair, that is like three questions in one.
0: I mean, yes. Uh, We will answer it somewhat quickly. We've... got three new items that I drummed up while writing the notes for this podcast to give you some examples of what the item creation process might sound like. Let's see. To start, I guess, with the first one, how do you decide upon this logistic level for the item? I've got a couple that are in a somewhat, in a bit of a range of levels. And it's not exact, I wouldn't call any of this an exact science. Because this game's not, this game is not an exact science. The game is very loosey-goosey and The game is very uh, open-ended, and some things can be more dangerous than you expect, and some things can be less dangerous than you expect, but it's all—it's none of it's codified, so most of the level ideas are ballpark guesses. But I do have a couple of guidelines that I started working with as I started making lots of items. So uh, for our first example, we'll start with a new longsword that comes out of Dragon Age Origins uh, called Darmisan. Which sounds very elven, because it is very elven.
1: Yeah, it's pretty elven.
0: It is a longsword. Uh, I had it set for a, as a level 5 item. It, the mass work benefits are a plus 1 to attack and damage. The superior benefits, because it is made of steel, means that the minimum strength required to wield it is a 0.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I wrote, A finely crafted blade, shaped by a rare Dalish smith, after trading for steel from the human lands. Their careful balance and curving blade make them excellent weapons that last the Dalish warriors longer than simple iron weapons. Now, this weapon is pretty straightforward. It's excellently crafted, so it's got a plus one to attack and damage, and it's made of steel, so the minimum strength requirement is dropped. None of those are particularly powerful, and the weapon doesn't have any extra abilities. So, level 5 is kind of the low end of my scale. We mostly just do, like, level 5, level 10, level 15, and yeah. for a handful of them, level 20.
1: If you're a level 1 character, you're probably going to just be dealing in regular weapons anyway.
0: Probably. So, level 5 stuff is something that you're probably going to be picking up pretty early in the campaign.
1: Yeah, and, nice things.
0: Yeah, nice. still nice things. Nicer than the normal gear that you'd get, but nothing extraordinary. Uh, like this amulet that we also made that was level 5. The Amulet of Aggression, which actually comes from Dragon Age Inquisition. This amulet was forged by the Formari, who were instructed to create a charm that would provoke the ire of a nobleman into a duel. Evidently, the amulet worked, and its wearer was killed on the ballroom floor after a nasty epithet.
1: Nah, rude.
0: The wearer of this amulet may re-roll a failed strength intimidation test, taking the second result. The wearer may instead roll twice and choose the higher when performing the threatened stunt. Oh.
1: Now that, one, that level 5? That one does
0: dumb. have two powers, and does have two powers that makes it level 5. I thought I'd leave it at level 5 because it's not something that, like... Gives bonuses to damage. Doesn't let you uh, add, like add ability, add bonuses to ability scores. It gives you rerolls on a specific. Uh, it essentially gives you uh, a talent uh, for uh, because there's a lot of talents that even if you take just one degree in them, you get rerolls on failed tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one gives it to you. And I thought that the extra power was a nice little add-in, but it's because it's such a specific situation that you can use that power in. I figured it probably wouldn't increase the level to level ten.
1: Might be a level
0: seven or eight. Item. Level seven or eight, yeah, maybe on the far seems a bit end of level strong five. for level
1: five, but maybe not mm. quite a level ten item. So right, maybe right, have a level eight item.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe we can have a sliding scale. So again, it's really not a, it's not a, an exact science what the level of the item is. So it's, uh, it's a ballpark answer. Le- level five pretty much just means that this is stuff you can get early in the game. that's not going to break anything. Level ten means the item's pretty nice. And you'll probably want to wait till mid levels. Level fifteen and twenty means you're probably gonna be waiting for end game stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's see. What is the mo- uh, and your uh, the next question was uh, the next part of this question was what is the most difficult part of designing the stats uh, for the items that we've been doing so f- that I've been doing so far were amulets, rings, robes, and goodness, uh, there was nothing. Weapons? Not weapons. I haven't actually done any weapon categories oh. yet, which I'm planning on getting into later. But uh, rings, amulets, uh, belts—that was it. I was doing belts. None of those, okay. all, all of those, don't really have like hard and fast stats like weapons and armor are going to. So those have been a lot less, a lot a bit more low key. But um, I did ca- start coming up with some like some basics, some things that I was kind of expecting. A lot of the level five items would give like like plus two on two tests. Um, a lot of the level one items would give like bonuses to resist very specific kinds of hazards, and uh, it, but generally, if the item has uh, a more general use, it should be higher in power. And if, or if it's giving, but if it's giving bonuses to like maybe two very specific kinds of tests, or giving rerolls on a, on one on one specific test, or giving you de- uh, middling to decent bonuses but against a very specific hazard, you could probably start moving it down a bit. But if the weapon, but if the item is giving just is, is giving really powerful, is giving better benefits, you start moving it up. It's. I really wish I had a more concrete answer for you, but I just I just kind of wrote the item down. I thought right wrote down what I thought sounded cool and just ballparked it from there. I was like, this is this something that a low level character should have? Maybe.
1: I've seen you have like if there's things that are sort of difficult. Mm-hmm. One thing I've seen you have a difficulty with is trying to maintain the. Uh flavor of an item, mm-hmm. while still converting the stats to something that makes sense for what it sort of represents in the video game.
0: It's true. The that's video, just a hard thing to... It is. A lot of the video game has, uh, like, bonuses that the weapon gives, like bonuses to healing received, bonuses to threat generation, uh, bonuses, like, uh, especially when you get into Inquisition, you get, like, stagger on hit, uh, it's uh, heal on kill... Uh, percentages and those are really big numbers. Those are really like math-intensive things that we really can't do in the tabletop RPG. So a lot of them just kind of get ignored. Like I don't know how you would really work with like a stagger on hit kind of thing or uh, a stagger on being hit or um, let's say or things like uh, threat like threat generation or threat uh, threat reduction. I did get a couple of those to work, but that were like the focus of the entire item. Mm -hmm. so like there was like the one magic robe that if you put it on you look like everybody else that you're the who's surrounding you like if you're stand like if you put on the robe and stand in a line of soldiers you you look like all those other soldiers so it's it's and some of them have like give enemies penalties on perception tests to notice you but i try not to give like all of the numbers that the weapon or the item in the video game Mm -hmm. gives straight into the tabletop rpg because it's it's,
1: not appropriate right and
0: also, it's it's going to look kind of boring. Like, you got all these cool items with all these cool histories, and then you're just like, okay, this one's got a plus one, this one's got a plus two. So we picked this one instead. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, I try... And, I, and also, a lot of them, especially when you start getting to Dragon Age 2, a lot of the items don't have so you can have flavor text written for them, like they did in, Inquis- in Dragon Age Origins. Dragon Age Origins had a lot of flavor text written. But, um, so... I also try and write flavor text for them so that they're more interesting and then you have to try and make the stats and stuff match, match the, the flavor, flavor text. text. So there's <laughs> there's not really that much that's super easy about it. Uh, di- uh, of course, I might have just made it very difficult for myself. Um, are there any pitfalls... Uh, to, oh, this is your next question. Uh, mm-hmm. the, next, like, my, this is the next mini part of the question. Are there any pitfalls you're aware of that you can warn GMs about who are thinking of devising their own items? Um, I would definitely say avoid... Immediate, complete, direct conversions. I
1: was just gonna say that
0: those are those 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 are cool, and you can probably get some cool formulas out of it, but it's kind of boring.
1: Yeah, it seems like you have to be willing to be loosey goosey about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Some items, especially like if you look in the core rulebook, a lot of items are straight from the video games, but some of them are way better than they are in the video games, and some of them are not as good as they are in the video games. So mm-hmm. it also can depend on your campaign. So. Pitfalls of item creation, I guess, would probably be uh, don't be too hard and fast with how it was represented in the video in the video game. It really doesn't have to be represented exactly the same. Um, let's see. Direct conversions, of course, are. I mean, if that's your speed and your and your group's gonna enjoy that, then absolutely go for that. But that can make the items uh, lose a bit of the specialness that they can have, especially if you like write, manage to write some backstory for them. You write a cool backstory about an item that, I don't know, makes makes your shoes look fancier, but then it's just like, plus one to disguise test.
1: But then, like, the difficulty is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty is still there because mm-hmm. even a direct conversion is still going to take a lot of work and a lot of guesswork, it's particularly.
0: It's true. Especially for a lot of mechanics that were in the video games that, were not, that are not in the tabletop game. So, be careful with that. And um, I would also say that uh, to be very careful about how many powers you give to an item. Generally, um, for lower level items, if you want them to have a power, you, you just want to give them one. Um, what do you start giving them like, say, I usually didn't give items more than like two powers. Three powers was uh, the it was definitely the exception to the rule because you also want to keep them simple. If you start making them too complicated, then you're going. Then Dragon Age is Dragon Age thrives off of being simple and straightforward and mm-hmm. easy to run. If you, you have items that have a, like a lot of, uh, really situational requirements, yeah, especially a lot of complex numbers, then it, it's going to bog the game down. It's going to make it less fun. I mean, if wow. your group's into that, then cool. But then you're but, probably
1: playing a different game anyway.
0: True, it's very true. There are
1: lots of great games for that, and I personally, mm-hmm. I love that gameplay style. But I also love this one, mm-hmm. I don't think they need to mess.
0: Mm-hmm. We do also have one extra item, Duncan's Sword, but we are going to put that on the blog for you guys to check out. Mm-hmm. We converted hey, a level 15 version of Duncan's Sword. It's a little better than the one in the video game, but we hope you like it. Thank you so much, Parceval, for the, for the questions. We very much appreciate it, and we, we love going through it, and I look forward to answering your further questions. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes from Dean Barr through our email. Uh, Dean, your first question, you sent us a couple, so we're going to be saving the next one for later. Thank you very much. Your first question was... One of my players was complaining about round-based combat. He claimed that it was unfair that two enemies could attack him without having a chance to defend himself in between attacks. We continued with the rules as they were, and I said I would consider a way of further breaking down the initiative to address the above. Do you have any house rules for when the above situation happens, or maybe any thoughts on
1: it? Um, I have a few thoughts on it, actually. Go ahead. Um, round-based combat can be kind of uh, difficult. I like to sort of think about if you're Mm -hmm. not used to it gotcha because the idea of round-based combat is that these are these things are all effectively happening at the same time Mm -hmm. with the exception that you you know there are maybe fractions of a second where things happen earlier than others Mm -hmm. so he was he said it was unfair that two enemies could attack him without him having a chance to defend himself in between attacks there you know, there may have been fractions of a second between those two attacks. There's no opportunity to defend yourself because you spent your 15 seconds, in this case it's 15 seconds per round, but mm-hmm. you spent your 15 seconds doing something else and weren't really aware of the attack at that point in time. Or by the time you're aware of the attack, the other one is also hitting because they just both happen to stick their swords in you at the same time. Right. It feels, when you're playing the game, it can feel like because each you know each action takes maybe a couple minutes, it can feel like, well, that happened a couple minutes ago. Why wasn't I able to defend myself from the next one? Like, I haven't moved in several minutes. And, you know, it makes sense to feel that way because round-based combat takes a long time. Again, but yes, um, in, in reality, well, actually in the opposite of reality, <laughs> in the game, what's happening is they're effectively attacking you in the same moment. So there's no real in between those attacks for you to mm-hmm. have a chance to defend yourself. It's just all effectively happening at the same time, with a few fractions of a second in between. Mm-hmm. You have your turn in the in the round, and you you know you can take your turn to make the major action to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. But doing that, you know, means you won't be able to attack. You're so busy defending yourself. That would allow you to effectively be defending yourself from attacks for that entire round. You just boost your defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, that would be my thoughts on it.
0: We kind of do kind of take, uh, especially with all the ro- uh, RPG, com- um, I guess, history we have, we kind of take round based combat for granted. It's just kind of the expected law, lay of the land. The law of the yeah. land. Yeah. don't think about it very much. Well, I mean,
1: it was weird to me when I first started out.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't years ago. <laughs> um. I remember finding it a little bit strange and kind of hard to envision, but mm-hmm. with time it became a lot easier, and you know now, years right. later, it's a lot more comfortable.
0: It's not super realistic, but it does keep the game moving. It, as a, as a game construct, it's more there as a game construct than a realism construct.
1: Okay. Well, and it's about as realistic as one can get when one is rolling dice to determine how things are happening in a very fast paced moment.
0: Correct. In a life or death situation, this is the simplest way we're going to deal with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Who
0: went first? Very so, much. yeah. Let's uh, see, it's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, uh, Dean, thank you so much. Next, we have a very good friend of the podcast, Andy Klosky. Hey there. We had on our podcast a little while ago. We look forward to having you on again. We'll have to send an invite soon.
1: Apparently, you sent this question to my Dragon Age thing Mm
0: -hmm. what's it called the forum running forum handle
1: yes apparently you sent it to me and if you will believe that I checked it to find out then you go and believe that because that is what (laughs) I want you to believe I'm please do I'm so bad at forums I'm so so sorry thank you so much for your question
0: since since you obviously read the question uh what was the question
1: ah I have read the question (laughs) how do you address the concept of canon within your home campaign do you choose an established set of items that have happened, hawk siding with the mages of Templars, Alistair becoming king of Ferelden, etc., within your campaign? Do you change this at any point, perhaps in a session zero? We actually, um... We kind of have an interesting way of going about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, this is a very good question to ask. I love this I was question. actually considering, playing like, basing a whole episode around this, but it's... Honestly, we can pretty much answer it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in our campaign, and this was not going to apply to everybody, of course. Everybody's got to have their own speed to it. Uh, we play with canon a little loosely, well, at least how I usually like to run it is that the major points, uh, the major events, like you know, it's a Doctor Who thing. Some things are fixed points in time. Yeah. Some things are gonna happen, like the like the battle of the battle of Kirkwall is going to happen. The Kunari are gonna try and take over Kirkwall. Anders uh, is gonna make. Anders some is choices. gonna make some unfortunate choices. Somebody is gonna become the Inquisitor. Um, the Ferenci the Fifth Blight is, in fact, ended by the hero of Elden. although sometimes particulars uh, may change a little bit, like, you know... You know how the the hero for Elden is definitely a castless dwarf. Well, except and, uh, for the
1: fact that the hero for is definitely a human noble and is currently actually ruling for Uh-huh, sure.
0: Yeah. And Alistair uh, was not hardened because that's well, that, and that, horrible. And see
1: that's that's true for literally everyone in our group. So we're all like, <laughs> yeah. No, Alistair, no. Is Alistair is just puppy king.
0: Alistair is just puppy king the second.
1: Yeah. So he, he's not very effective, but we love him anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Wynn is still around, and all the characters, uh, we, so we kind of have, like, some, or at least when we started the campaign, we had, like, a save file in mind. Yeah. And a lot of, because this is taking place in Ferelden, a lot of the games that come afterwards probably aren't going to be affected too much, especially since Dragon Age 2, which is happening in our campaign right now. Uh, is happening over in Kirkwall. It's that's not, somewhere else. It's not happening over in here. It's
1: somebody else's problem. Right.
0: Stuff that's happening in the campaign is, you know, affecting stuff worldwide, and the PCs have gone to Orlay, they've gone to Deventer, they've been around, but they've never been to Kirkwall, they haven't been messing with the stuff in there, and a lot of the stuff that's going to happen in Kirkwall is still probably going to happen, maybe with some slight particular changes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there are some particular changes, like how um, the book... Goodness! The Mast Empire is probably going to go a little differently because uh, one of the major plot points is that uh, that an alien is, an alien is gets burned down. Um. With plenty of city elves still in it.
1: Yes, Um, uh, but in our world, there really aren't that many alienages left.
0: Because there's a new elven nation called Brasilia that is openly accepting uh, elf immigration from every corner of Thetis. So probably quite a bit of that alienage has been emptied out and headed to Brasilia for a better life.
1: So that particular issue won't happen, which will mean right. that other things won't happen. But it's probably
0: going to be a couple stragglers, but it's probably not going to be enough that they would certain things take place. Yeah. So it you know like so that might not happen, and Briella may not even be well. Briella is probably going to stay behind. Let's be real. Yeah.
1: But the uh, but you know for example like uh, the conclave still going to end badly.
0: The conclave's still going to go badly. You know. Uh, there's Aquas not a whole lot champion. we can do about that. the Mage Templar War will still get sparked.
1: We're probably gonna play a role uh, in that, as I was
0: say these eighteenth level ca- these eighteenth level characters are busy running a nation over here. They've not got a lot of time to go jumping over to Kirkwall to stop a war.
1: No, we're probably gonna be playing a role in that, like probably, gonna probably be sheltering yeah. more than a few mages, yeah,
0: but... there might be an exalted march at some point if you harbor enough mages. I'll bring it. <laughs> You won't find us. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. We've got the ancient elven magic sprayed on. So Go when ahead. Inquisition comes around, enough things have changed that Inquisition's probably going to have a very different flavor, uh, at least in our campaign. Yeah, but, but the
1: effective parts are still going to Yeah,
0: happen. someone's still going to become the Inquisitor. The Inquisition is still going to be reinstated. and People are
1: going to get eaten by bears.
0: Corypheus is still going to be running around. And people are definitely going to get eaten by bears. No matter what game universe it is, is in, as long as there are people in the hinterlands, those bears are eating happy.
1: Yep, it's true. I think one thing about how we do it it, that I like, I think we just were uncommonly fortunate Mm -hmm. in that all of our players Mm -hmm. sort of made very similar decisions about the way their games went. Like, we we all have similar mindsets about things like freedom and choice and like... We all, have, we all seem to go for similar results. So, other than the fact that we all argue about who the original hero for Elden is, mm-hmm. pretty much everything else we all kind of agree on. Mage rights. Mage rights. Elf so, rights,
0: rights. Of course, that's our, exp- our experience. Some yeah, people... will not
1: have the same experience.
0: Some people will not. Some people are going to be very hard and fast about canon. Canon is going to have... Well, it's just also kind of weird because Dragon Age has a very loose canon in its own. Because it depends on how your game went. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, GMs get to use their save files, so GMs who are particularly attached to those save files may say that this stuff happens. This stuff does not change. The campaign is not going to affect those things. So the campaign might take place in a different country while all that other stuff's happening, mm-hmm. where there's no established canon, which is perfectly uh, perfectly valid. And Some people may, be, may have like uh, weird, spooky alternate realities, like, what if the Darkspawn Chronicles was canon? <laughs> Oh dude. Den, see the hero of Ferelden didn't survive their joining and and Denerim fell to the dark spawn and now the blight's coming to the rest of Thedas. What do you guys do now? <laughs> that's the campaign. So what do you guys do now? Well, crud. Hmm. You know. So that's I mean some people are going to be like that and of course it's it's a it's a spectrum. Some people are going to be in the middle. Some folks are going to be wild and happy but have like a couple points that they will not budge on. So It's
1: really just table uh, variation. Uh, expect table variation. Expect
0: table variation. So, good question,
1: that, though.
0: Hope that answer was satisfactory, Andy. Thank you very much. Uh, next, we have a question from Tanner Ridge through our email. Thank you so much, Tanner. And this is a good one. Uh, how would you do ritual magics? Example, Jowen using blood magic to send your warden's consciousness into the Fade to face down a demon. We've seen mages do some crazy things and things that aren't just limited to simple spells written in the book. How would you yourselves run that in your game and should you? Yes, Funny
1: you should mention that. You, sh-
0: you definitely should. And we are definitely doing it a lot. <laughs>
1: we just did it yesterday.
0: We just did it yesterday, yeah. Uh, some folks got the consciousness projected into the fade.
1: Yep.
0: Right now, we don't really... Um, I really liked how um, like Pathfinder did ritual magic. Mm-hmm. It's basically big scrolls with instruction manuals, but anybody can use them. They are, are I,
1: very complicated, but then so very is Pathfinder. So. Yes,
0: right. so is Pathfinder. So I think... There shouldn't be nothing wrong with uh, rituals being something like that in Dragon Age, something that everybody can use, although you'd mm-hmm. probably want to at least get your hands on like, some lyrium or have a mage friend. You
1: probably
0: still want mages for most of the pro- Right. Mages will probably make it safer. Because this
1: is, a, this is also a lower magic It is world, so I would think mm-hmm. that these would just be almost inaccessible to people without hmm. magic.
0: Probably, or at least inaccessible to people who aren't like Templars or members of the Seekers yeah. of Truth. Uh, for things like the Litany of Adralla,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because that that could be considered ritual magic. It's a scroll that you read the ancient Tavine words on, and stuff happens. Yeah. So ritual magic definitely exists in Dragon Age, and you should definitely take advantage of it. And you could probably even format some of them like spells.
1: I was just gonna say that. Yeah,
0: you could probably write down like ritual. Let's say, like this, like um, fade projection ritual. Here's what you need. You either need to, be like, uh, you, because, I mean, in the video game, you either have Jawa and use blood magic, uh, a blood sacrifice to get enough power to project your mind into the Fade, or you go to the Circle Tower and bring mages and lyrium to help you out. So, there, it, it could be very interesting to write out, to have, like, you know, like a, like a recipe for each of these uh, rituals and have a couple of rituals that do a lot of different things. And it's, uh, it is a fairly low magic setting, so there's probably going to be a, somewhat of a limit on what stuff can be done, mm-hmm. but... No, you know, there's no reason that some weird stuff can't happen with some rituals. So, in our games, we've just kind of been uh, ruling that they just happen. We haven't been like rolling checks for the rolling. We have a few
1: basic rules, like Mm -hmm. you know, your body obviously is kind of helpless on the right. We have a couple things, yeah, like
0: your body is obviously unconscious in the in the real world while you're in the fade and and we've been having some weird stuff with like you being a spirit healer so you've got a spirit that's attached to your body so. Yeah, well I mean I okay. had to
1: use that or everyone was going to die. So It's
0: true. Yeah, like you got you're slinging spells in the fade while your spirit is animating your body and slinging spells. The best in the real kind
1: world. of abomination. Oh
0: yeah. So Okay. Nope. Right. So it's uh, it's really up to you. Uh, I, if you write anything about it, we would be super on board to see it and perhaps put it on the podcast. But uh, if you want to, and if you you can keep you know rituals to just kind of be like, stuff happens, or you could make a pretty decent center of an adventure if you've got like if you've got like a ritual written down on a piece of paper, yeah. uh, and give the PCs like reagents that they've got to go on quests to find or uh, find people with certain magical talents to perform specific parts of the ritual.
1: Yeah, you can make it as complicated or as simple as you like, really. And uh
0: base whole adventures around if, them.
1: If you make up some rituals, you should definitely let us know and we will post them and talk yeah. about them. Yeah, we'll talk that about them. would be nifty.
0: We like talking about Dragon Age stuff that folks made.
1: Yep, that's a big thing for us.
0: It is a big thing for us. So, thank you, Tanner. Excellent question. We appreciate it. Uh, next we have a question from PNP Gamer on the on the Green Ronin forums thank you again your uh, your question was if my players want to organiz- make an organization which type of stat generation would be the best what should be the core questions to inspire when trying to generate a PC organization and we've been through this once the organization building process mm-hmm. uh, and I believe what we did was did we do freeform or did we do stat allocation
1: we did stat allocation okay
0: um, but, um, there are three methods to build an organization. There's,
1: uh,
0: you can roll for them, uh, you can say you can actually like roll them like, um, one by one, like you would a character or you can allocate or you get like a budget of stats to allocate and, um, you roll for like how good your stability is or, uh, what your scope is. And then of course there's free form where you just. Say that might is a that our might is a three and our intrigue is a zero and our wealth is a two, you just you just the say what it is. Magic is a ten
1: with the mages,
0: focus. right? And you just pick the focuses. Then pick the focuses that you want to use.
1: We did pick the focuses we wanted. Correct. So we yeah, sort yeah. of mixed it up
0: a little. Mixed it up. I think that one's actually part of the. But you have to pick focuses. I think for at least one. Well, at least one of the focuses has to be in your highest stat. Yes. So. The the rolling and the stat and the like the like the, the spending of the points are both really good ways for it to go about it if you've got PCs who are who are part of it. Uh, freeform is how you're probably gonna be gone if you're, you know, the GM and you need to draw up some stats for organizations. So the freeform should probably be more towards the GM's territory than the players territory, just cause, you know, we can't trust all players. But if you do trust your players, then the freeform can be pretty exciting. Yeah, just... Work with your players. Right. Where well, you gotta work with them. It's
1: players. just that way also you've got two perspectives on what the power level should look like. Mm-hmm. And so everybody making their best effort can yes. probably come together to make something pretty mm. legit.
0: Yeah. I think we yeah, I think we did a little bit uh somewhere in between options two and three because we rolled for I believe we rolled for the uh, stability and we rolled for the scope. Mm hmm. But we, I believe we... Actually, I
1: don't think we rolled eight. for scope. No? Because we were pretty little when we started.
0: Because I, I thought we started a regional.
1: Yeah, I think we didn't roll for that. I think we just decided we just were decided. regional.
0: Okay, fair enough. It's
1: been a little while. I mean, we were a whole forest, so...
0: We were a whole forest. So, uh, and then we wrote down a couple of questions that are good things for uh, PCs to ask when they're building an organization. What does the organization do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where is the organization based does it have weaknesses what are its special assets what kinds of people run the organization those are all pretty good questions that you can ask and they then hopefully help you uh, you know pick stats for this uh, for the organization once you started drumming it up
1: mm-hmm. should help your uh, players be able to really get a feel for what they mm. want to build yeah. and for what its shape should be and then you guys can fill in from there yeah.
0: so if you've got like if you've got like a mercenary company you're probably gonna have higher might than magic. Although, I mean, if you're a Tevinter mercenary company, maybe yeah. you're a bunch of mages.
1: Oh, that's scary.
0: That actually is pretty spooky. So thank you so much, BNP Gamer. Uh, thank you, everybody. And of course, as always, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any questions of any kind, you can send a message to Podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Call the Protector on the Green running forums. That's him. That's me. Thank you. Swooped it. We know. You we know how we feel about swooping in this house. It's great. Um, anyway, we should probably open our books to those dissonant verses.
1: Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but...
0: <sighs> Welcome to the dissonant verses. We're tooting our own horn, horn again this time because we made some more stuff.
1: <laughs> we and made gonna, things. It's cool. And
0: we're going to keep making stuff because it's, it's fun. We had our Realms and Organizations episode, so this gives us the great opportunity to write some organizations and leave them open for people to use. Uh, just like our back shelves collection, uh, collections of new items, uh, we'll be writing a few organizations and giving stats for common members of that organization as well. You can find our first volume of organizations on our blog, and we will collect any more organizations we write on a Google Doc so that you can find them all in one place. Have a nice big uh, collection of organization stats, but we've got uh, the organ. Let's see some projected and uh, projected organization stats for the various nations of Thetis. They're kind of they're kind of vague because they're supposed to be meant to be they're supposed to be meant to represent the entire nation working together against a against a common enemy like a blight
1: mm-hmm.
0: or the Kunari. You know, fun stuff.
1: Things that Fun you things. can fight.
0: Fun things and neat stuff. So feel free to use them. You can adjust them as you like. And, of course, uh, you don't have to use them, but we'll be, we'll be writing some more. And we'll be writing some uh, more personal character stat blocks to go along with them to give you ideas of people who are part of the organization, what they might look mm-hmm. like, and just give you more stuff to work with. We hope you like it.
1: And I believe we'll be adding a very specific organization to the list.
0: We will be. We'll be adding, we of We've course, had a few
1: people who are interested in perhaps mm-hmm. using hmm Our dear sweet Brasilia.
0: Yes. So, so we will post perhaps this, the current stats for Brasilia and a couple of stat blocks of people from Brasilia. We've already got a couple things in the works. We hope that you folks like them and if you want, you can use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find these, of course, and all of our all of uh, all of these submissions and more, are archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, com. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or send us your own, send a message to at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Go- Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts. I messed up. What did I do? What am I?
1: What or send a personal message to Cut
0: the Protector in the Green Running forums. That's me. That
1: was a sad one.
0: Yeah, I am I mucked it up. That's okay. I think I had some good practice by this point. That's all right. Mm. So we got some. We, we got some cool questions out of the way. We got. We're making some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we're gonna help you folks make some stuff. Uh, we're gonna help you folks uh, make some war with those uh, arcane warriors.
1: Because this is our main topic for today. Mm. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide.
0: So you're an Arcane Warrior. You can turn to pages 65 and 66 in your core rulebook so you can follow along and take a look at the spec for yourself. It kind of starts in the bottom of uh, 65 and heads to the top of 66. Uh, but we're going to be talking about, let's see, one of my favorite specializations, the Arcane Warrior. I never got to use it in the video games. Uh, I've always been kind of hoping to try it out in the tabletop role-playing game. Well, We'll talk about it. So, basic question. What is an arcane warrior? An arcane warrior is a mage who uses their magic through their body, strengthening themselves to carry weapons, wear armor more comfortably than other mages, and eventually even phase partially out of the real world to protect themselves. Uh, Direct quote from Solus: They were the living embodiment of will made manifest, mind shaping the body into the perfect weapon.
1: Solus has always had a, you know... Thing for exaggerating. Uh, but this for is a pretty cool. This is a pretty cool. <laughs> it's thing.
0: still a cool specialization, even if Solus has got a bit of a flair for the dramatic, <laughs> just a bit. Uh, the Arcane Warrior is an ancient and nearly lost fighting discipline of the Elves of Old Arlathan. So it is a very, very old specialization. Vanishingly few mages in the current age are Arcane Warriors. So the the spe- this specialization is a very rare sight. Supposedly, these Arcane warriors were the knights of old Elven kingdoms, swearing themselves to service of nobles or royalty, defending their honor as their champions and eventually going to war for them. This is all of course according to Solas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Their fighting style was called Dirthena Anasalin, or Knowledge That Led to Victory. <laughs> if you fight like this, you will win. <laughs> uh, those who eschewed physical combat called their style Mgsi
1: Gilanim Banelvan
0: Banalven, yes. Uh, the path that leads astray. Uh, while some ancient uh, elven mages thought them crude for their more physical approach, their honor was unquestionable. Uh, and, of course, the techniques of the Arcane Warriors were also adapted to create the fighting style of their contemporaries, the knight Enchanters. Whether or not this specialization makes a good substitute for knight Enchanter specialization is up to individual GMs. Personally, I would not. I would uh, have them be separate specializations because Night Enchanter works uh, a wee bit differently than Arcane Warrior does. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, of course, is a discussion for another time. Argane Warrior is one of the more unique and potent specializations in the game, as it has some rather clever tricks up its sleeve.
1: It's pretty neat. It's kind of one of a kind.
0: Yeah. So what are some of those tricks? Uh, we'll go down the list, and we'll talk about it a little, a little bit bit by bit. Um, and if you take the see first of all, uh, to get into the class, of course, you have to be a mage. Uh, you're also going to need magic and dexterity of three or higher. So keep that in mind
1: hmm That's an important thing to keep in mind when you are planning your character out. If you're like, I want to make this character into an arcane warrior someday, make sure you set up your ability points so that you'll have those by the time you get there.
0: hmm Yep. So when you take the novice degree, uh, you're going to get a new weapon group that you can wield, uh, and you gain access to combat magic mode, which is going to be your bread and butter as an arcane warrior. This is your big class feature, and you're going to be using it a lot. Activating combat magic mode lets you use your magic stat in place of your strength stat to determine damage with melee weapons. Which is huge. That
1: is intense.
0: Uh, this camping. Like,
1: make... It might as well be camping. It's that intense. Uh, right.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: You have to like me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs>
0: then fix your glasses of me. You
1: fixing my glasses.
0: So this can be quite dangerous. Uh, however, while you are in combat magic mode, any spell that you cast is going to cost two more mana than usual. To it's kind of the check and balance. Mm-hmm. You're you've got a lot of mana flowing through you, so uh, and you're using it for a lot of stuff at the same time. It's not a large increase, but it does mean that casting spells in combat magic mode will be taxing on your mana if the fight drags on or you're fighting multiple encounters in the same day. It adds up. Yes. Uh, Remember that this is, of course, replacing your strength for damage rolls and not for attack rolls. You will still want to make sure that you have a good strength or dexterity depending on the weapon group you choose if you want to actually be hitting stuff.
1: Yeah. I I think, ideally, you're going to want to work with dexterity because if you already have a good strength, Mm -hmm. you don't really care. Right. But dexterity, but also factoring your defense and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So if and you, your speed. Yeah, if you pump dexterity and then use, like, light blades, mm-hmm. that is quite elven for one thing to be. It is. And then for another, that's terrifying. Because mm-hmm. you've got a huge to hit, your defense <laughs> is already really high, you're super fast, and then your magic is your damage.
0: Uh-huh. That's of course, it uh, does mean that your damage dice for your weapons are going to be a bit smaller than they could be. Depending on the weapon degree you choose. Yeah, but, but your
1: fixed damage is going to be right. much better than it would be otherwise. So,
0: really, uh, go, with, go with whatever your speed's going to be. Yeah,
1: go with what works for you, but eh, I'm telling whatever. you, dexterity.
0: Hmm, it's not a bad idea. Uh, at the journeyman degree, you are able to take armor training talent, which is normally only available to warriors, and any armor that you wear has three fewer strain than normal. Uh, while you could probably already cast rock armor at this point, this will save you some mana, as you can wear armor all day and not have to cast a spell to get it back, especially with that minute-long casting time. Yeah. And it also Oof. means it can't be dispelled if somebody is getting clever. Yeah.
1: There aren't that many times that things get dispelled, but the it's last true. thing you want dispelled is your armor. Is rock armor. Uh,
0: this strain reduction means you can wear up to light male armor without any strain at all, and even heavy plate strain is only three now compared to the original six. This still can pile up. Uh, If you are wearing heavy plate and you're in combat magic mode, all of your spells are costing five extra mana. Ouch. Yeah. Just ouch. Yeah, ouch. Uh, This does mean you will also have to spend talents to pick up the armor uh, so that it doesn't give you penalties to that dexterity score. So make sure that you plan for it. Uh, You're you're probably only going to need one or two of them. If you only intend to pick up some heavy mail so you can have a strain of only one, um, you're only going to need the first degree of the talent. Uh, Mm -hmm. but it does mean that you are going to have to make sure that you qualify for armor training. Uh, And armor training's trainings requirements are none. Never mind. You're just good with armor. Do you
1: exist? Congratulations.
0: You can put on clothes. Congratulations. You did it. You did it. Gold star. Uh, Right. So getting later degrees is only going to boost your survivability because you can start putting on things like light and heavy plate.
1: Yeah, but be careful with that strain. Correct. Because that... That will Hmm. definitely start to add up.
0: If you go for that Master Degree, though, you do get half your armor to uh, always get half your armor even against penetrating damage, which
1: can be a lifesaver sometimes. Oh, that is nice. Hmm.
0: So, worth thinking about, but definitely make sure you're planning Hmm. for it.
1: So far, I've only seen it on an enemy, and I hated it. It was terrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not the only time you'll see it. Especially now that, of course, we're level 18. More people should probably have it by now. Uh, The Master Degree is going to give you an ability called Fade Shroud. When you enter Combat Magic Mode, you can choose to spend 5 mana to activate a Fade Shroud, projecting yourself partially into the Fade, so you only exist to a point in the Waking World. This bumps your defense by 3, but costs 3 mana per round, you keep it going. If you don't spend the mana, the Shroud falls, but your Combat Magic Mode remains working.
1: Uh, Uh, Oh, that mana, though. Right,
0: this is yet another drain on your mana. That plus 3 to defense is pretty nice, though. So, but uh, combine you if you combine these things with like certain spells and actions like guard up or defend, you can get a very impressive defense
1: score. I think we calculated it with my current character as a level eighteen character, mm-hmm. and oh man, how much does guard up give?
0: Guard up, guard or up. Or you something? can uh, you can take up to a minus two on all tests to get a plus two to defense. Yeah, and defend is a major action, a separate major action mm-hmm. that gives you a further plus two.
1: So can you do them both?
0: You can do them both.
1: Then I could get her defense if she were an arcane warrior. I could get her defense to thirty four. I'm telling you, there are. I mean, it. it, This uh, (laughs) this specialization leaks. uh, You know, leaks mana
0: like a leaking bucket. Leaks mana like a broken like a broken faucet. But man. You're, you, you, this you is know an what you're unbreakable doing. faucet. If you know what you're doing, no one's breaking that faucet.
1: Ooh,
0: so, interesting. Um, now, a uh, very important question, especially for this spe- particular specialization, important for all specializations, but definitely for this one, is how do you unlock this specialization? This is going to be probably one of the harder specializations to unlock because it is a lost art of combat, and the ways to learn it are far and few between. Uh, <laughs> Case in point, the hero of Ferelden found the specialization in an elven ruin inside a phylactery that talked to them.
1: Most people are going to have a hard time
0: right repeating it's, that. It's a very easy specialization to miss in the video game because that's the only place you can find it. You can't buy I don't think you can buy a book for it. Uh, let's see, you only. Uh, I think I think the only way the way you could do it is that you get a free specialization uh, that you get to pick early on. And you can pick any of them, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, of course, that's in the video game. That may not hold up in the tabletop game. Uh, for lore purposes, we do not recommend making this spec an always available specialization, like yeah. like generic things like Guardian or Shadow. Uh, yeah, some of those. Is... Some of those anybody can pick up, but this one should definitely not be one that anybody can pick up because this one's special.
1: Honestly, I feel like the only mage one that any mage should be able to pick up might be Blood Mage.
0: Yeah, that's that I kind of felt, too. Because it's uh,
1: that's always an option.
0: That's always an option.
1: But, yeah, the rest of them I wouldn't recommend being mm-hmm. always available.
0: Uh, the Warden found it in a phylactery that had the consciousness of an arcane warrior trapped inside it who traded the knowledge of the specialization for their release. It's kind of like finding a tome or a book, and it's... Probably the only intact kind of receptacle of knowledge you're gonna find from the days of the ancient elves, unless you, of course, find somebody who actually wrote a book about it, which is which is. Uh, you can
1: find an intact book that would
0: yeah. be good. Or you can just go talk to the person who trained you, who, who wrote the book. Potentially, like, uh, and there been there are some people like Cillian from the Inquisition multiplayer and Caranel from the Last Flight novel, who are arcane warriors in in modern Thetis. They do exist. And they can teach your specialization to your characters, um, and you, of course you can write some of your own. You can write one of your own, uh, but that person is going to need some solid backstory to explain how they came across the spec on their own, or even if they have their own take on it. And of course, uh, going on a quest would also be a very solid way to unlock this specialization. Uh, perhaps the PCs find a spirit or a phylactery that can teach them the specialization, but only if they pass their tests. This can involve dungeon creatures, traps, malicious spirits, or even projecting one's mind into the Fade to fight the spirit in one-on-one combat. Have some fun with this. Uh, Don't make it take too long, uh, but make it feel like the PCs have done something to deserve this spec. Because this is definitely a spec that should be earned. Oh yes, this is a tough one to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a dang cool one. So, uh, what specializations go well with this one? When you hit level 14, what specializations are going to complement this one? We'll go down the list. Uh, Blood Mage can help you make up for all the higher costs and mana brought on by the Arcane Warrior abilities because you can use your health to cover some of the spellcasting costs, which gives you a bit more longevity. It can put you in danger for obvious reasons because your health is getting low. Uh, Your high armor could protect you, however, so you likely won't be in too much danger. Yeah. Uh, if you start using your health instead of your mana.
1: I mean, there is the slight problem of being a blood mage in Thetis.
0: I mean, yeah. Uh, there's also I also thought that'd be a really cool house rule if some GMs would be uh, okay with letting the blood mage use health, or maybe even roll a d6 to see how much health they use uh, to keep some of their uh, arcane warrior abilities functioning.
1: I think that's legit.
0: So if they have like the fade shroud up, they could roll a d6 and see how much health is spent instead of mana, to activate the Fade Shroud and they could roll it every round to see how much is taken out of their health instead mm-hmm. of their mana to keep it going. I would
1: say it would probably need to be something like a d6 plus what is necessary, just because it's dif- it should be harder to do than with mm-hmm. mana. Right. Like, it should cost more blood than it does mana, because mana is pure and blood just has mana in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Blood is power, though.
1: It is power.
0: Um, speaking of power, pure power, the next one is the next consideration is the force mage. It is a very solid choice. Uh, letting you move your foes around the field and become unflinching yourself. Controlling enemy movements means you can pull people to you or push them away as the situation requires, which gives you some very valuable battlefield control that really any mage can benefit from.
1: Yeah, well, and honestly, you combine spirit spells with this particular specialization, and mm-hmm. things can get really nasty really quickly. I'm talking about <laughs> telekinetic weapons again.
0: I mean, yes, we'll get to that. We, we got that down down the list. Um, adding keeper actually first of all makes you the most elfy mage possible. Yeah, uh, and it you're also the elfiest
1: has... elf. Congratulations.
0: Correct. <laughs> right. Uh, it also has some surprising synergy to it, uh, because the signature spell of the Keeper, Wrath of the Elven, deals penetrating damage to those within four yards of you, which is, sounds an awful lot like melee range, and you're probably fighting in melee, which means that you can probably start piling that damage on really fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the second spell you get Ensnare, Snare also pulls people to you into both your Wrath of the Elven spell and your melee attacks.
1: And then when, in your master level, when uh-huh. people die of your Wrath of the Elven... Then, then you get, you get, health get their back. health back. You so. get health back, so. and if, uh, Too bad you can't do three, because then you'd be a blood mage and be like, I'm using that health department <laughs> as well.
0: I mean, when we write, when we write the epic level uh, rules, then we'll include the third specialization, too. Hint, hint. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, the stones throw spell, available only to keepers, can give you some very so powerful cool. maneuverability for somebody who has such heavy so armor. Cool. Mm-hmm. Can
1: you imagine just somebody like this giant elven warrior in yeah. heavy plate? And heavy uh,
0: plate carrying like a bat, carrying like a greatsword, just popping, popping
1: out of the stone. <laughs> Goof. Hello. Scariest <laughs> daisy in the world. I mean, woo. I don't know. I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> Goof.
0: Dureth Sherelle.
1: <laughs>
0: awesome <laughs> uh, Necromancer is not a bad choice it's got a few tricks that could work um, you get a bonus of spell power every time you kill someone uh, which you're we, uh, you probably hopefully do them by this time Now, by the time you've got a second spec you can probably take some folks down so it's kind of helpful uh, Death Siphon can also get you some mana back when you're killing people as well You know, getting a boost of spell power and also getting bo- uh, uh, some mana back um, oh thank you Uh, But it may not be enough to catch up to the mana that you're spending because you get mana back equal to the magic score of the person you killed. And not everybody has a whole lot of magic scores, unless you're fighting a lot of mages. Unless
1: you're fighting a bunch of other arcane warriors. This (laughs) might not work out quite as optimally as it would like it would be pretty
0: sweet, though. Um, And, of course, uh, the Simulacrum is always cool, but that means you've probably been dropped to zero health by that point, something you are hopefully avoiding with your heavier armor.
1: Yeah, if you fall into zero health, there's something already wrong.
0: I mean, if you've got a simulacrum, it's a dang good way to keep thing, to keep the pressure on.
1: Mm-hmm. However, uh, with this other mm-hmm. potential mix, you may never have to worry about dropping to zero health anyway yeah.
0: either. Uh, maybe consider putting Spirit Healer into the mix. It makes it a very versatile mage combatant uh, that is actually kind of reminiscent of the Cleric class of more classical RPGs. Uh, with your high armor rating, you can take some punishment. Uh, because you're taking less damage, it's easier to heal yourself. Uh, as well as while you're healing everybody else with that group heal that you're throwing out there, uh, you can also fight in melee and be close to the people who are going to need that healing of yours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it Spirit Healer is a it's, you mean you can blast people, you can stab people, and you can heal people. It's,
1: yeah, it gives you it's um, it gives you some nice balance.
0: Yes, gives you some nice reach. And then finally, we come to Shapeshifter. Not really a supreme choice. Uh, they have very little synergy together. You could have an interesting character concept for, uh, with somebody who uses combat magic mode and takes the shape of an animal, letting them use ma- their magic score instead of the animal's strength score to get some solid damage. Um, and having some solid constitution and dexterity to go along with it because you're taking the animal's shape uh, Mm -hmm. and not the squishy mage.
1: Yeah, And Fade Trouting as an animal is going to be not too bad an idea because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be casting a whole lot of spells as an animal, so your mana won't be suffering too much. Just get
0: an extra bit of defense.
1: That is pretty much where the synergy ends, though.
0: Uh, Pretty much, because you can't wear your heavy armor that you're access to, you can't use the weapons that you got access to, and, of course, you can't cast spells while you're in shapeshifter form. Um, so, and it can be good for like a little bit of recon every now and then, like you know, like if you want to turn into a like a turn into a raven or something, or scout ahead and you can come back. But so I mean, it, if it fits the character concept, go for it. But mechanically, they're kind of two different they're two different animals, so to speak. Really, I went there. <laughs> so uh, talking a bit more and bit more into the crunch, uh, a bit more into build considerations. You're gonna get into some uh, not really a lot of math, but a lot of uh, build choices that you can make with arcane warriors to make them quite effective.
1: And by that we mean spell choices.
0: Spell choices, spell, spell, spells. You're still a mage. You still got all of your spellcasting, so you should probably use, so you can use that along with all of your swords and shields and armor, um, because you're gonna be somewhat of a magical tank. You're probably gonna want some defensive spells uh, like arcane shield fade shield and rock armor for the levels before you get to put the yep. armor on
1: gotta survive to hit level yep. six rock
0: armor is always a good choice so you're gonna want that you're gonna want to at least have rock armor until you hit level six and unless you're you gonna be the eight. person
1: who's you know trying to wear armor and taking the strain from level one in which you case could. kudos for your patience but <laughs> rock, Way to armor be is, rock armor is still not a bad choice
0: it's true. Uh, and of course, stacking Fade Shield with Fade Shroud can give you a monstrous defense score if you have been raising your spell power. Yeah. And carrying cool. a shield will boost it by one because you're technically not proficient with shields and you can't take the weapon in shield style, so you can only yeah, ever get a plus don't... one from it, but it's not the plus one.
1: Yeah, te- like, like we were saying earlier, 34. Defense of 34.
0: Defense of 34. Those numbers are you out work there. hard on it, Yeah. Um, and of course healing spells are going to serve you well uh, being a melee tank you're probably going to be taking some taking some uh, clunks to the head uh, so rejuvenate and heal together can get you a lot of mileage and those spells are right next to each other and, re- and requirements so feel free to pick them up
1: yeah they're not a bad idea
0: yeah uh, and then anything else for defense that you can think of
1: Hmm. defense wise let's see
0: or I guess uh, more like uh, yeah, more defensive more focused on protecting yourself or your friends
1: um, Glyph of Warding is not very exciting, mm-hmm. but it uh, it can help with dealing with... Uh, you might be very good at uh, getting away from spells if you've got a good willpower. Mm-hmm. Your allies who are not mages are probably going to have a harder time with some of that. Mm-hmm. And that boosts the uh, tests versus spell power mm-hmm. and boosts your defense against ranged attacks, yeah. which is not bad. Not a bad idea. And the other thing I would recommend is uh like i was saying earlier spirit magic seems to just work really well a lot of the best defensive stuff for an arcane warrior is in spirit magic true and a lot of that stuff is going to lead you with its with just by giving you requirements to some of the better spells in the game for things like dispelling yes so having the ability to dispel other mages stuff or to make the anti magic, uh, ward if you can. <laughs>
0: can be like a magic, t- like a mage templar kind of weird, yeah, weird thing. They, really confuse the templars.
1: It gives you some really really strong options against other mages because you can stay in your mode and give yourself like magic, doing like an anti magic burst so no one has any spells active, mm-hmm. and then just go to town and start whacking them.
0: Yeah. Because they can't it. whack you back. Yeah. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? Cast a spell at you? I guess they're gone now.
1: Yep. So those are some solid ways to get some defensive stuff on your side.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, of course, going into offensive spells, uh, you're gonna be in melee range. So some of those, are like uh, the shorter burst stuff, like flame burst, shock, and Con uh, of cold, things that are that have like short ranges, you're gonna be up close to folks anyway. So you can probably catch a couple folks in them. Um, spells like Drain Life and Mana Drain are probably going to be uniquely useful to you as an Arcane Warrior because you're going to be burning through mana and health probably fairly, a little faster than most. So mm-hmm. getting to take them from your enemies certainly doesn't hurt.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like three lyrium you. potions that you get by hitting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Heck yeah.
1: There you
0: go. Uh, spells that enhance your weapons, like Flame Weapons, Frost Weapons, or...
1: In all caps.
0: Telekinetic Weapons. Uh, only gonna give you more damage with the melee attacks, so they come recommended. Get all three of them.
1: But if you put them all on. But if you can't get all three.
0: But if you can't get all three, get telekinetic weapons. Telekinetic weapons is a solid choice.
1: It's 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 madness.
0: What are the requirements for telekinetic weapons? I think are you there? have to start with uh, mind burst. It's right? it's a
1: tough one. Yeah, I mean you get you have to start with mind blast, which is already fantastic.
0: Uh, mind blast then goes to force field, which mm, then goes which can to be quite weapons. useful as well. Yeah, and yeah, maybe field. not as
1: useful for this build, but. Hmm. Then telekinetic weapons, which is remarkably useful for this yeah. build.
0: You get to add your magic to damage, so you get to add your magic to damage twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. And get then or, and your piercing armor for one fewer stun point.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and that certainly never hurts. Yep. And of course you can give it to your friends. And if you got Yeah, rogue, I mean, if you, you get it friends. and
1: everybody else gets it. And if you have a rogue who's, mm-hmm. say, you know, a duelist and all piercing damage becomes penetrating damage. Mm-hmm. Why not? Do it. it. And do of it, course, it, do it. Do it. Do it.
0: Flame weapons and frost weapons are also a nice little uh, push. That's mm-hmm. it Certainly couldn't hurt. And then uh, the spell Aura of Might is specific to arcane warriors. It is a lonely little spell at the front of the ca- at the front of the chapter, uh, but it can only be taken by folks with the arcane warrior specialization. Oh. It's nothing to write home about, but it gives you yet another boost to your melee damage. So might as well think about it. Uh, and lo and behold, it's another spirit spell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So and it only, co- I mean, it only it only costs five mana, which isn't so bad. But it gives you a plus two bonus to damage the melee attacks for a minute, which is only four rounds in Dragon Age. But I mean, it's a little something extra.
1: Yeah, if you've got an extra slot, you well grab it. An extra slot,
0: or even got a fast cast, you can just pop that one in there. You're extra. probably
1: going to be trying to fill your slots with a few other things, though. Mm-hmm. So maybe
0: consider Aura of Might just later after a couple of other staples. Mm-hmm. Um, I did look at the heroic offense, heroic aura, heroic defense, and haste spells. They can be a decent track if you are not going to be taking the arcane shield or fade shield collections. Which I mean, you most certainly could, but if you're also if you're going for a high dex build, then maybe you then maybe you won't need them quite as much because these also can boost your defense. Um, heroic offense boosts your strength, uh, which you know. You're not going to be using much for damage rolls anyway. Uh, but you. But if you're using the heavier weapons, you will be using it for attack rolls.
1: Mm-hmm. That is worth
0: keeping in mind if you're going with the strength build. Um, you cannot combine heroic aura or heroic defense with arcane shield, fade shield. But they do have some secondary benefits that are worth keeping in mind. Uh, heroic aura is a uh, plus two bonus to defense. Uh, let's see. Uh, for the rest of the encounter... Uh, and you can cast it on yourself it doesn't stack with uh, spells that reset your defense to be based on your spell power uh, but you can stack it with the spell that comes after that heroic Defe- heroic defense which gives you a- another defense boost and an armor rating boost uh, it lasts does not last as long but you uh it lasts i think half your magic in rounds but you can then spend more mana as a, as a, every round after that to keep it going it does it will get a little expensive but Fade Shield and Arcane Shield are also quite expensive. Arcane Shield less so, but Fade Shield, mm-hmm. starts to, Fade Shield after a while, starts to really get up there. Because I think it's six mana to cast and two mana every round to maintain it, because the spell technically lasts a round.
1: Yeah. Well, once you get into the higher levels, two mana a round is really not a whole lot. Of, right.
0: Heroic Defense. Uh, of course, these are also all creation spells.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, really not as advisable, because you're going to mm. be focusing so much on Spirit Trees.
0: Spirit stuff is really solid for an Arcane Warrior. Uh, and of course... Haste is a very expensive
1: spell, and you, it it very much hinges on you rolling well for that one round that you've cast it.
0: Mm-hmm. Costs ten mana to cast, uh, and it costs ten mana for each additional round that you're keeping well, it up there.
1: And casting it on yourself is just a bad idea in general because
0: you know you're going to have to cast it and then maintain it the next round before so that you, you can get to even use it. it.
1: Yeah, so, so it's not a, it's not, not the best great, combo. Right. The heroic set is really not. Well, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's not super great for anybody, but mm-hmm. it's, if, if you have to choose, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Arcane and Fade Shield set is probably mm-hmm. going to be of more use to you.
0: If you put Heroic Aura and Defense both on yourself, you would get a plus 7 bonus to your Defense, and uh, put that on top of your, like, your, um, your goodness, what do you call it, your... Uh, st-
1: but you're probably going to be... Fade Shroud.
0: That'd be a plus 10 to your defense.
1: But you're going to be leaking mana like a sieve. Mm-hmm. Um
0: It costs 6 mana to cast Heroic Aura. It'll cost 5 mana to put the Fade Shroud up. 8 mana to cast Heroic Defense. Uh, that one ends after half your magic and rounds, and then that costs 4 mana to keep up. And the Fade Shroud costs 3 mana to keep up. So, uh, it's... in Fade Shroud... Let's see, Fade Shield costs well, 6 they all mana cost to cost 2
1: more if you're in combat, it's your combat mode. It's true.
0: It's very true. So, uh, Heroic Defense does also give you, however, a bonus to your armor rating.
1: You're wearing armor. Mm-hmm. It's fine.
0: Right. And the Heroic Aura is just you cast it and forget about it for the rest of the encounter, because that one stays up for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Or for the rest of the encounter, at least. So.
1: I mean, there are things you could to... choose.
0: Right. Uh, also, to get to Fade Shield, you're also going to have to take Arcane Shield and Arcane Bolt.
1: Yes. You do need Arcane Bowl.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, fun little, a fun little blasty. So, worth keeping in mind. Uh, and, of course, uh, weapon groups. You get to pick a weapon group. So, which one do you pick? Uh, the weapon group that you choose in the novice degree is going to say a lot about your fighting style. We recommend not selecting bows. That's really the only real, like, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, your class abilities aren't going to boost the attack or damage output very much. Um, it would be a very dex-based thing, and it could be cool you know, to make an arcane archer, but n- not a lot of your stuff is really going to boost it. Not, there aren't a lot of spells that boost damage for range da- range weapons, and um, it would be based on your dexterity and your perception. And the point of the arcane warrior is to use magic in place of strength.
1: Yeah, but that sounds like a specialization that somebody could write. Yeah, an
0: arcane archer? Dang, that'd be cool. I would
1: like to see that.
0: It's kind of classically elven. It
1: is very elven.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Axes is a pretty strong choice because it includes a one-handed weapon, a two-hander, and a thrown weapon for range. Uh, bludgeons, heavy blades, pull arms uh, are also solid choices for damage output. and You can put spears in there too if that's more your, more your speed. Uh, if you want to focus more on dexterity, you can always choose light blades or dueling. Uh, because you have magic to use for damage, you won't have to worry about strength. Higher dexterity, of course, as we said, means better defense, speed, and tests to resist some spells.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if you're going to take things like arcane shield, fade shield, um, if you you could pretend you could instead go strength if you prefer, because your dex is going to be based on spell power, not your dexterity. Um, but you know, if your speed, if things like your speed and your te- and your dexterity, acrobatics tests to get out of the way of spells is also important to you. Then you know, mm-hmm. one of the, it's it's your choice. Really, choice. you
1: can go either way. You'll get yeah, benefits either way.
0: It's true. Um, and then we have armor choices. Uh, heavier armor is going to have uh, more higher mana taxes, so you're going to want to be wise about your choice. Light plate might be plenty. It's your know was it uh, light plate or light? Uh, it was a uh, light mail because that one gives you, I believe, a six armor rating, but with no strain. If um, mm-hmm. as long as you have the journeyman degree of uh, arcane of uh, arcane warrior, and hopefully you'll also. uh You'll have to wait till next, the level nine, the level after you get um, the journeyman degree of uh, arcane mm-hmm. warrior before you can actually take a, a rank in the, in the uh, armor training talent. Which means that if you put on armor right away, you are going to be taking the armor's penalty to your entire dexterity score instead of just your strength. No, instead of just your speed, which would be the case if you had the armor training talent. Mm-hmm. So... Worth keeping in mind, you're probably going to have to wait till level nine before you really start putting on some armor,
1: unless you've just put everything into strength. In which case, I mm. mean, I mean,
0: well you know, done, I guess. Nice. So, um, that's because uh, if you get uh, so what was it um, light, uh, if light? If you go with if you go with heavy mail, uh, then it's only one strain and seven armor rating, which is pretty solid. Sw- pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, if you want to go, if you want to go a little higher, light plates not a bad idea. Heavy plate gives you, of course, that sweet ten armor rating, uh, but it does mean all of your spells are going to cost three extra mana to cast, Ouch. which can hurt after a while. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it will hurt after a while. And then you combine for, it with yeah.
1: all the other ways that you're spending you mana every round. Your
0: combat man and your combat magic, it's going to start adding up real fast. So, if you've got a really big mana pool, then or even like uh, specialization or ways that are getting mana back. Uh, like, like if you're a high blood, blood, blood. like other people's blood, you know you have other people's blood for their man, for your mana, or uh, you, maybe you're using Death Siphon and you're fighting a lot of mages, um, and of course you're probably all just going to want to bring lots of Lyrium potions with you because you're probably going to be burning through that Lyrium, uh, burning through those Lyrium potions real quick, um, and then uh, we have talent considerations. Uh, remember that even though you are an arcane warrior and you got some armor and you got some weapons, you cannot take fighting style talents like warriors and rogues. There are only a couple, uh, I think there's only one f- real, like, fighting style talent that you can take, and that is, uh, unarmed style, which can make a very fun character concept, although, um, it's, you know, like, casting flaming weapons, frost weapons, telekinetic weapons on your fists and then <laughs> and going punching down.
1: people. I kind
0: of like it. <laughs> it's pretty. I thought uh, it's, it's something I kind of want to try out. It's, it's, it's kind of what I want to do. The punchy um, mage. Arm arm style is actually pretty. Is it's not like big time damage. Your fists only deal a d six, but um, it is also kind of a debuffer because you can do knock prone for cheaper, and you get bonuses on disarm at, uh, disarm attempts.
1: And you can't be disarmed unless somebody disarmed. literally cuts off your arms.
0: You're, you have to be literally disarmed. So. So worth keeping in mind. It sounds like fun, uh, of course. But you, you—I mean, your specialization gives you a weapon group. You may be more interested in doing the we- getting the weapon group that you just grabbed. Because as a mage, you already have access to your fists, because mm-hmm. everybody's got fists. So, just was something worth keeping in mind. And uh, you'll definitely want talents that are going to reduce mana costs. So work on those magic talents. Uh, because your your mana costs are already getting pretty high. And, of course, armor training is available to you uh, once you get Journeyman Degree, which is going to be at either, I mean, depending on your progression, it could be as early as 8. Uh, so you won't be able to take an armor training talent until at uh, at earliest 9th level. Something worth keeping in mind.
1: But it is a solid choice at level 9.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have access to all of the other... Um, uh, talents that mages have access to But definitely worth keeping in mind Getting those ones that Getting at least the journeyman degree In probably spirit uh, And honestly you'll probably want to go master spirit Because you're probably going to be drinking a lot of mana potions Yep and, and being able
1: to re-roll anything Where you gain mana back Heck yeah ha- It's incredibly useful Yeah, It's it. incredibly useful whether or not you are Using the specialization
0: so, That one's definitely something worth thinking about Oh, arcane warriors are sweet
1: they're pretty neat
0: they're pretty neat o' keen Yep. but uh you should th- make
1: one today yeah I
0: should go out make one i think we said plenty here let's set our piece uh so mm-hmm. go out make an arcane warrior tell us all about it um but thank you all so much for listening this has been another good show another great show on the one is the Thedas podcast hopefully we can get some more special guests we've got some cool uh and some returns
1: down. for more
0: yes uh new and uh new and returning special guests we'll mm-hmm. be throwing out some invitations We'll be, uh, we've got some uh, other projects coming down the pipeline, so stay excited. Stuff's changing. Stuff's being cool. Uh, and of course, you're all being cool. Thank you all so much for listening to the One Is a That Is podcast. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die.
1: And this is Jessica, wishing you good heals and happy feet.
0: Thank you all again so much for listening. You all have a great whatever comes next.
1: Have a good one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>